Stone Chats, Small Talks About Homeschooling, presented by Wildwood Curriculum, a Charlotte Mason education for all. Hello, welcome here everybody. Today we're going to talk a little about what uh, Charlotte Mason education looks like in high school. I'm Jennifer Gaiman. Uh, I have five children, three of whom I've already graduated, so I've done high school a couple of times already. And I am Marjorie Lang. I graduated one, and um, we did mostly Charlotte Mason throughout her high school years. She got accepted into several colleges and went there happily for a few years. We also have... I'm Miriam, and I have... Mine are still little. They're seven and eight, almost nine. So I'm here just to ask questions for looking forward to the high school years. So we decided that we would switch off um, talking about the preschool versus the high school because those two are the ones that people seem to be the most worried about with a Charlotte Mason education. With the preschool, how do I do it when I'm not doing academics? What does it look like? So Miriam and I talk about that um, occasionally. But then we also wanted to go into teenage years because that's where a lot of people get nervous. I think that's a good way to say it. I think once you uh, once you hit high school, you can suddenly start to see that there's an end to this marathon. And I think there's lots of concerns about, am I going to make that last little bit? Is my child going to have what they need? Um, how am I going to cram it all in? Have I done enough? So all of that panic starts to set in around, much similar to when they're little, thinking about, oh, it can't be enough. And then you worry about it again near the end. Has it been enough? And it it is, but it can definitely feel a little panicky as you're trying to put everything together and kind of finish everything up, tie all your loose ends up. Right. So let's talk first about, um, is a Charlotte Mason education enough? Because as we were talking about right before we came on, um, it can seem light compared to the classical method, well-trained mind. Right. Because the Well-Trained Mind Forum, if you go on it, you'd think that you need to be schooling from the time you get up in the morning until the time that you go to sleep at midnight, (laughs) getting five hours of sleep a night, and you're still not going to get it all done. I think one of the issues with looking at other forums of different styles is that, and I think this is common wherever, but even more so in high school, is somebody will ask a question, how should I do this subject? And then one person will jump on and say, well, we do this, 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 and this. And then you think, oh, that's great. So now let me ask about another subject. And you go and somebody jumps on and says, well, we do this, 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 and this. And so what you're getting is this whole conglomeration of this is what this top person does in this subject and this top person does in this subject and this top person does in this subject and all together it's not realistic for a single person to do but we forget that in other methods it's much more allowable to really hyper focus in one area so somebody might want to be speaking five languages fluently in high school. And so they're doing all of that, but they're not giving as much time to another subject. Maybe they're not giving as much time to history or to science. And so I'm not sure how to say this well, but 
I think well, what I want to say is you're comparing like the best of A, B, C, and D and thinking that everybody's doing all of that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think that, I mean, the, one of the joys of a Charlotte, Maj- Charlotte Mason education is uh, the broadness of it. It's, a, it's a, a liberal or a broad education, but the reality is that once our children get into high school, they're going to have their own personal uh, desires and things that they want to focus more on. And so their, the, the broadness of the curriculum is going to begin to limit in scope in some areas. So if you do have a child who wants to learn five languages, that may mean that you're doing less in some of the arts or maybe you're doing less in the natural sciences because you're spending more time to focus on that. But we don't see that, right? We see someone who has a passionate kid who's doing five languages and my child is doing no languages. And I think, oh, I have failed them. What, are the, what is going to happen for them? And, and so, yeah, I think that that's one of the scary parts about the Charlotte Mason education is it changes in high school and I think that it changes in a really personal unique kind of way or it should anyways for each child and each family and so then it gets harder to find some sense of of reassurance that you're doing the right thing because everybody seems to be doing something different. I would definitely agree with that. I think also um, people tend to read book one home education of Charlotte Mason and think this is it. This is what we're supposed to be doing. And they don't let that philosophy grow with them to a high school level. So they think, well, this is what she did with the eight-year-olds because this is exactly what I used to think. So that's why I say this. So this is what she did with the eight and nine-year-olds. So, But that's not enough for high school. But of course it's not enough because that's not what she did with the high school students. You have to read on. You have to read through Philosophy of Education, which is book six, to really understand um, and to really see what she did with the high school students. She did expect much, much more of the high school students than she did of the younger children. People will say that science in a Charlotte Mason education is just nature study, but that's Mm. not true. That's actually not even just nature study past form one. Once you pass form one, you add in all of these other things, but people can tend to focus in on, especially if they don't have a really good grasp of um, Charlotte Mason themselves and all they've read is blogs about it. They're getting a secondhand education of Charlotte Mason. Um, There's a lot of misinformation. I don't want to say misinformation, but it can be incomplete when you're only focusing on one portion because if all you have is a middle school or an elementary school student, you're not really looking ahead to the high school information. So you can read about these and think, oh, people say that Charlotte Mason education for science is nature study. I love nature study. So let's do nature study. And that's going to be, that is our science. And then they don't look at other areas, I should say, to see that, no, it actually goes much, much further in that because you just kind of focus on that little bit. And that's actually one of the reasons why I say that people should read the primary sources for themselves. Mm -hmm. Because when you're just reading blogs, and you're just focusing on what information do I need right now, you're missing the big picture. And you're also getting it filtered through other people's interpretations. Yeah, and I think Charlotte's books weren't always about the minutia. It was about the end game, right? It's a philosophy of education, and this is what we want when is all is said and done. You know, she was very clear in her writings about what a mature individual should look like and 
what they should be able to do in their day-to-day -day life and so the education was aimed at that and if we don't understand that then we can't understand the education. Right so let's take a look then through what would what did a high school education look like? How was it different from the primary years? There was there was more table work in my home because I was requiring more uh, written work or um, I have I have a I have a son with a, uh, a writing disability so what might look like written work in my home could include slideshows or the, the response to the material so that that took a lot more effort there was there was more in-depth reading there was more book there was just more books to read um, deeper ideas to try to process and so we had um, a, we had a lot more discussion, I think, where I tried to let them think their ideas out loud and then lots more time to put those ideas, um, to express those ideas in some form, usually written for the majority of my kids. Right. We also did, um, so talking about the more books and different books, she expected more reading, but... I wish I had written this down ahead of time so I could kind of focus my, my thoughts because I can see it's all jumbled up in my head and I'm trying to figure out how to get it out there. So the books, they kind of shifted at about the um, Form 3 mm -hmm. level and she started using more adult-level books, more of the primary sources. Um, and so rather than using uh, children's versions of of books or as told to the children she would use the originals but they were still done very slowly so you weren't expecting a 14 year old to read an adult level book in one term so things like I believe it was the Odyssey that we were just looking at where it was read over two full years um, maybe it was Beowulf I don't know but it was one of those older texts more difficult but it was still done over a a two-year period it wasn't done as in well let's read this all right now so she still had that little drip 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 of let's do it slowly so we can process it slowly but we're going to expect a higher level of comprehension from you now mm -hmm. but at the same time they weren't all like that now, she still really interspersed the popular books in there too um, I was really surprised looking at some of the books that were assigned for the high school years in the PNEU programs, there was a really good mix of both those older, stiffer primary source texts and then these much easier and lighter ones that covered material in a very living way. I don't mm -hmm. want to say fun because they weren't, they weren't fun the way we think of fun books today, but they were much lighter than I had expected from seeing some other Charlotte Mason curricula, what they use in the high school years. Right. Yeah, I actually, I found that when we were looking through the, the actual programs, it, it seemed like things were lighter than what a number of other Charlotte Mason curriculums that I'm familiar with were saying um, they should look like. And so I found that reassuring. It was reassuring to me that they weren't as packed full as uh, some people do pack them full. I also think we do have another hundred years of books, so that can feel complicating. Um, we certainly know that when we're trying to pick out books, there's a hundred years more 
of good books out there to choose from and sift from. And so I think sometimes people try to take the books that Charlotte was using, the ones that are available, and then add more on rather than making the tough decision about whether there's something that's more usable and should replace something that is maybe not have all of the things that we'd like for it to have nowadays, right? Right. So for me, that was a lot of the high school education I felt was having to sift more through books. And this is one area I did allow my children a lot of opinion about, because I think that what one person finds is a living book, not everybody finds this a living book. Living books have to speak to us personally. And so there were lots of instances where I loved a book, but it did not speak to one or more of my children at all. And I was more than willing. I mean, we'd give it a try. We'd try to figure out why it wasn't working. My son has a reading disability. So was it the fact that it was on audio? Was it the, the, the actual voice of the audio? Like if we got a different version and a different audio voice, would that be better for him? But really, after we'd slogged it through for a month and it still was not, they were still not feeling impassioned to read it. And I don't mean that they have to be like all excited about it, but if they were reading it and feeling like they weren't getting it, it wasn't connecting, they weren't understanding it, and it was just making them angry at the end of the day, then I would set out to find another book. So that was a big change. When my kids were little, there wasn't a lot of that. There was a lot of, we're going to slog through this. <laughs> we'll make this work somehow. Another thing that I wanted to mention is that well, you talked about table work, that there's a lot more table work, but we still need to remember that there were still specific hours for school. Mm -hmm. we, we, can't let, we can't let it be that just because it's high school, that means that the child or the student still need working until 5 or 6 o'clock every night, mm -hmm. that they still need to have school hours or school hours. It needs to be short and varied lessons. Now, they're not as short as when they were in primary school. The lessons are no longer uh, 10 to 20 minutes. Now, they're 45 minutes to an hour, but there still has to be that limit. You know, this is when it's done, it's done. And it's not when you finish the material, it's done. It's when that time period that you set aside, when that's done, we're just done. And then you go outside or you play music or you do handwork or you do, you do something else. You can't have your entire day, even in the high school years, just be academics because that's not what a Charlotte Mason education was. Now, that's another thing I wanted to mention, too. A lot of people think that Charlotte Mason education is primarily books. But even in the high school years, or I should say even more so in the high school years, it really broadens out even further. So a Charlotte Mason education prepares a student not just for intellectual life as an adult, but it also prepares for them to be an adult, right? We, some of the books that are in the, the programs are about um, child development, and they're about health. Like, how does my body work? The student is expected to do definite work in house and garden, meaning the student is supposed to be taking over some of these chores so that they can do them as an adult. And it's not just chores. There's also things like um, working with wood and fixing things and creating and sewing and um, doing 
all sorts of different things that would prepare them for not only hobbies as an adult, but also to be productive working adults. Yeah, yeah. Children in, you know, the teenage years, our school always ended at three. And one of the reasons that it always, that was our hard line is because that left enough time before dinner for your right handiwork and hobbies and music practice. But it also left time for the gardening. It left time for someone cooking dinner. It left time for someone planning and cooking a dessert. It left time for painting a room or rewiring the light fixture and I tried to include my children in that all the time and it was easier to do it if you know I was saying okay so from three to four I need to replace this light fixture and one of you needs to come help or all of you need to come help when they were a little bit younger but those are all valuable skills and I think that if we're doing if we're, if you're doing book work until four or five or six o'clock at night then you're missing out on valuable life skills that our children need to be to be functional and wholehearted adults. Going back to what you said earlier about the latitude that you gave your, your children mm -hmm. in the high school years, we did that same thing. So I did it more because I wanted full buy-in from my daughter who had been a little bit apathetic before about her schooling. She didn't want to make choices. She didn't really want to participate. And I had recently had, the year before, we had had a very tough two years, actually. I had found out that I was pregnant after 14 years of not having children. And then I had a difficult pregnancy. And then um, when that daughter was eight years old, eight months old, and we just felt like, we were getting back on our feet again. My husband decided that he um, wanted to leave his job and move across the country to another one. So when my daughter was 14, 15, and 16, right at the start of her 16th year, we had had a um, pregnant new baby and then us moving across the country. And so I needed to give her as much choices that I could so that I could get her fully engaged in her in her education. We did, um, I'm not sure if you touched on this just now, but I would give her the framework. Okay, so this is, this is what we would like to do. This is, these are my parameters. Within this, what are your choices? So we needed to do world history and some American history. That was my stipulation. But then I let her choose within that well, what history years do you want to study? And what specific portions of the world do you want to study? And then this, with folk songs, I let her choose the folk songs that she wanted, that composers, um, all of that, to really give her as many choices as I could. Now, some of them, she just said, I don't care, whatever you want to do. So that's how we got the composers, was she didn't know anything about them. She really didn't care to look them up. She said, you choose whichever ones. And then the same thing with the artist's study, um, but for the the history, she did have very definite ideas. She wanted to do um, 1100s to to 15 early 1500s uh, European with an emphasis on the UK. She wanted to do Celtic folk songs, so we did Celtic folk songs for three years, and so I know a lot of Celtic folk songs now. <laughs> but um, you know, so giving her those choices within there, and then 
I asked her, well, do you have any books that you would like to look at? And she did not. She asked me to, to choose some books for her. So this is really how we collaborated. Rather than me looking on Amazon and reviews and finding all of these choices and then narrowing them down myself and saying, okay, this is what you're going to use. I took what she wanted, what time periods she wanted to study. I found several books that I thought would work, got them through our interlibrary loan system, which was fabulous up there. I really missed that when we moved back. But I got stacks and stacks of books from the library, brought them home, and then I looked through them and said, I narrowed them down to about half. And I said, okay, from these, I want you to choose which ones you want to read. And then she chose, she narrowed that down to probably about a quarter of that. And she said, I want you to read all of these. And um, I said, no. <laughs> because she wouldn't have enough time. You know, everything looks so good. So then you have to whittle it down because I think by the end of that, she had, there was probably, but there were probably 12 to 14. And she thought they all looked fabulous, but you just can't read that many in a year. So I narrowed it down and I said, okay, so we're going to have this as our spine. You may have one spine and then try to narrow it down to, I think, I said one book per term, basically. So three throughout the year. And then we had other little ones in there also. So I made her whittle even more than that. And so she chose books that she was absolutely most interested in. And so that's how we did our give and take there, was that she chose the general time period, and then I chose the initial books, and then she chose the final books. So she got the final say on these are the books that look the most interesting to me. Yeah, and that's what I know for my grade 12 each year, um, they've chosen their time period. We've kind of done the whole gamut. So what time period would you like to really look at this year? And for science, my um, my older three aren't really science-y kids. They're definitely more on the artsy side. And so they did not wish to pursue a lot of study in the to pursue chemistry or biology or physics independently. And so then it was, well, are there one of those that you would like to pursue? Or are you wanting to just do a general science? Are you interested in environmental science? Like you, you need it to get into our universities here. You need science credits all the way through. So what, what is that going to look like? And, and how do you want to pursue that? And then I would like you find some resources that I thought would be beneficial for them. They mostly, um, my kids suffer from a lot of alarm around that kind of thing. So they were quite happy that I gave them enough buy-in. Like I'd like to study modern or I'd like to go back and study the Greeks. My children would just study the Greeks and Romans nonstop in everything forever and ever. And they were happy when they could finally do that again and pick what they wanted, whether they wanted to focus on like just the war, if they wanted to focus on the political system and then try to find the book that and yeah then there was lots of buy-in those are the books that I never had to really be on them to to read because they wanted to read them I actually had to stop reading <laughs> just one chapter or just four pages we're not reading anymore because they were excited about that so so I think some of our listeners might be thinking but that's not a Charlotte Mason education because Charlotte Mason education is supposed to be sequential right? That's what we think. What would you say to that? I have my own answer here, but I want to hear what you would say. Um, I do think it is sequential. And I think for the early years, it, it 
often was sequential, but she also has some odd things where she just throws in an extra year here and there, or she covers time periods differently. I think when you get to the higher level, especially high school and in our case, grade 12, I think there's some beauty that comes in letting them choose something and then make some connections. Because at that point in time, I had did a more traditional uh, rotation of history than what we've developed in Wildwood. So I think we had been through world history three complete times already by the time my kids grade 12, grade 11, grade 12 rolled around. And so I think it was really exciting for them to make connections on their own based on how many times we've been through. I also think that Charlotte, while I love her to pieces and I love her philosophy and her approach to education, it is, it is a philosophy. It's not a done deal. So that if I'm going to do things a little bit differently in my home, because that's working for me and my kids, I think that's okay too. <laughs> so now what do you think? So I would say that um, looking through those uh, Parents National Education Union, the PNEU, looking through those programs, it was not completely sequential. It was mostly sequential within a form, but when a student would go to the next form, uh, sometimes they'd backtrack and they'd go back through 200 years that they had just studied the year before, but it would be in a different book. Or depending on when they went to the next form, they might skip a 200 or, or 400 year period. So they didn't have it laid out so that when a student started um, grade seven or if a student went in when he was 12 or 13 years old, he would get an entire rotation by the time he was 18 and left. That's not the way the PNEU worked. So there really was a lot of of bouncing around within there. There was, like you said, there were pieces where she would just randomly throw in um, a, a new set of years. Um, and we would think, wait a second, was this a different book? But sometimes it was a different book and sometimes it would, sometimes it would even be the exact same pages that had been assigned the previous term. And then we think, well, was an addendum sent out the last term to say, no, actually, we're not going to do that this term. We're going to do these other things. Sometimes she would throw in some modern stuff. They would do one or two terms of completely modern. Okay, let's read from this book about World War One, which had just ended. Um, and she did that even, even back in Form 1 that happened once. So throughout the entire time, there wasn't this sequential progression of we're going to do a four-year, a four-year, a four-year rotation. There wasn't a six-year and a six-year rotation. It was, it, there was a general progression, and then when they would get to the end, then they would start over. But there were also all of these almost like rabbit trails, or almost if it had not been a correspondence school that she was administering and this had been a family, you would think, oh, they decided they wanted to study something different this term. And then they went back to it, the, the next one. Or, oh, they didn't feel like this was really important and they just wanted to skip ahead. Or they wanted to backtrack and do this again. That's what you would think if it were a family. So I think it's, it's perfectly all right for us to do this as a family. Exactly. And in some of the newsletters, she makes mention of like if books are not available. And I know as the peony grew, then they were mailing out their own books and that. But in the early years of it, she would make mention if this resource is not available 
to you, then find something that will work for you. And she was, there was lots of flexibility in her programs. And we should feel free to have, bring that flexibility to our, to our families. And you guys answered all the, the questions that I had. I was going to ask, um, in the beginning, you talked about the rigidity of having to do lessons from the time you wake up until the time you fall asleep just to maintain a standard. You, and you discussed how no, uh, you don't do that. You have the set course for lessons, and then after they're done, they're done, and then you have that extra time to explore other possibilities. That's I love that so much. I'm glad you answered that. The history rotation, the way you both said you approached it, did you find that was enough for requirements in college? That's I what I was going there, to mention. But I, Not I specifically about college, but about as an adult. We think, oh, but what if the child doesn't get this part? <laughs> He's never going to know it, right? I remember specifically talking to my next door neighbor when I was in my 20s, and she said that she didn't know anything about the Vietnam War because in her high school, they studied up until World War II, and her high school history teacher loved World War II, so they spent half of the year on World War II, and they never got any further than that. She did. She had no idea where the Vietnam War even took place because she had never connected it to Vietnam because it's not something that she had ever, ever studied. You can make up these gaps. If they are gaps, you can make them up in as an adult, there's, it's impossible to know everything there is about anything, even if you have your whole lifetime to study. You are always going to have some things that you didn't cover or that you don't remember. Now, how many times do we say, or do our kids say, well, I don't remember reading about this, and you think, well, really, because we spent two months studying that when you were younger. How can you not remember that? But that's what happens. So it's not a big deal to have that hole in your your life, uh, not in your life, but in your studies. So my own daughter's 22 years old, and she's been watching this historical YouTube channel um, and learning all of these things that either we didn't get to study in when she was in high school, or that she, I say, well, we studied that. How could you not remember that? But, you know, looking at it as an adult with different brain connections that have been made and now her own specific interest, she's making all of these connections because it's completely interesting to her where she is right now. But you know what? In five years, she might go back to this YouTube channel and say, I remember that I watched this episode, but I don't remember anything about it. And then refresh that memory. So that's perfectly, it's perfectly okay for that to happen. And Miriam, um, we, will, we will come back to that question of yours in a later episode. We'll write that down, specifically talking about college admissions and if this kind of education is is. Um, good enough for college admissions. But right now, we just have a few minutes left. So we're going to do our nature minute. Oh, we're still in the deep freeze here. It's still cold. We're still in the minus 30 Celsius. And we had massive snowfall last week. And so it's been that uh, we've actually been feeding our bunnies, um, drying out parsley and, and mint and putting it out for the bunnies because it just it's it's cold. And 
It's awful. It's awful. I'm just, I'm done with winter. So we're in a beautiful time. It's actually been cold for us too. I am in a blanket right now and I have a t-shirt on under me and we got down to 31 degrees for several nights in a row and we lost some of our tomato plants. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and you're thinking, oh, great. Yeah, that, that happened to us months ago. But, <laughs> but we don't have warm clothes. That's the difference. No. You know, all I have, I have one sweatshirt. That's all. So I wear wow. that for days on end. And then when it gets too filthy, I just put on a T-shirt and wrap myself up in a blanket <laughs> because I can't force myself to turn on the heat when it's 60 degrees outside. That, growing up in northern Minnesota, that goes against everything inside of me. So we are having, um, we are having little tiny seedlings sprout. Um, I planted beets and I planted Swiss chard and I planted some tomatoes and they're, they're sprouting. And I'm hoping that they don't get eaten by the mice and the chickens. And I also have beautiful desert marigold in my garden. And I, I don't want to pull them. My husband says they're weeds. We need to pull them out because we need to make room for the food that we've planted. But they're so pretty that I don't want to pull them. <laughs> we've had we had a few days of really nice beautiful warm weather and it luckily it was their day that they went to forest school and it was beautiful up there on top of the mountain we actually walked all the way around the little lake we had never done that before um and the, the geese were there and they look so funny my my daughter she laughs at anything that looks absurd she just guffaws and so we <laughs> They, there were three of them, and they were, you know, dipping their heads underwater to get food. But when they did that, like, everything disappeared except for, like, these little floating goose loaves on the water. And they looked so ridiculous. She, <laughs> and I can't do it. We were just, we were cracking up. Awesome. <laughs> oh, you make me. The door. <laughs> no, it's, our, it's my clock, top of the clock. <laughs> I took the battery out last time. I'm sorry, I forgot. <laughs> well, you both make me long for spring to come because it sounds beautiful. So we're done with this episode. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Wildwood Curriculum Podcast, Stone Chats. For more information about our free secular and inclusive curriculum based on the works of 19th century educator Charlotte Mason, please visit us at wildwoodcurriculum.org.